So a few years ago in a college psychology class in Texas, a psychology professor was getting the class started and kind of getting them thinking about emotions and feelings. And so he asked a question. He said, whenever I ask you a question, I want you to, if you've got the answer, stand up and shout it out. And so kind of get the class participation. And so he asked the first question is, he said, I want you to tell me the opposite of the emotion. So I'll say an emotion and you say the opposite. So stand up and shout it out. And they're like, okay, cool. And so they're in their psychology class, and he says, all right, happy. And so somebody stands up and says, sad. Yeah, that's good. That's right. You're gonna, you're getting it. Okay. And then someone said, he said, okay, now depressed. And someone stood up and said, elated. Yes. We're getting it. We're getting it. You're kind of getting it. Someone, he then he goes, whoa. And somebody stood up and said, giddy up. <laughs> and, uh, sorry, I got you laughing. There we go. You're here this morning. It's good to be back with my peeps. We've been gone for a little bit. This morning, we're going to be looking at and starting a study in Philippians and looking at the ones of Philippians. So one joy or one happiness, one love, one purpose, one attitude over the next few weeks as we kind of dig into Philippians together. And Paul is in prison together, is in prison. And so this morning, as he's writing this, as he's thinking about this, here Paul is in prison. And so as we think about it, how can prison be a happy place? looking for a happy place. And so here Paul is in prison. And the one thing that I want you to grasp over everything that we're talking about this morning and thinking about and thinking about happiness is that true happiness can only be found in the person of Jesus Christ. So if you want a happy life, if you want happiness and joy in your life, that can only be found in the person of Jesus. So go ahead and write that out, underline it, box it, whatever you need to do, do that. Now, if you've noticed in your program, you got notes today, and um, in those notes, you got extra notes. You got my ADHD brain in there. Um, somehow you got some of my full notes. Those things have maybe changed since Tuesday or Wednesday since someone picked them up and printed them. But um, So you get a little bit of insight into my brain for a little bit. So don't be confused. Next week we'll go back to less notes, but you've got them in front of you, all right? So together we're going to be looking at this idea of what does it mean to be happy as we look at Philippians. And so here you've got your Bibles. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1 as we start together and asking this question of what does it mean to be happy? Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Paul and Timothy are servants of Christ Jesus. Now, again, here Paul is in prison, and it's not the typical prison situation that we're used to where he's behind bars, but he's in a house. And so Timothy is able to come and go, and others are able to come and go. And Timothy is a student of or being mentored by Paul, and so he's been able to hang out. And so Paul here is is able to write this letter along with Timothy. As a matter of fact, Timothy may even be the one that's actually writing down the words of Paul here. And so Paul and Timothy are started together. And I want you to greet this idea of what does it mean for us to be in a happy place? How many of you have a happy place that you go to? You kind of get to this place, you kind of go to the beach, or you go to the mountains, or you got a, a room, or maybe it's even your kitchen table with some coffee in the morning or whatever. You're a happy place. You're kind of escaping. And so for most of us, if we're thinking about an escape place, we're not thinking about prison, right? And so here Paul is in this crazy place called prison, and he's saying, this is my happy place. And one of the reasons that it's a happy place is because Timothy is there, that he has a friend that is there with him. And so Paul is, is beginning this, and he's saying, one of the reasons that it's a happy place is because of my young friend here, my servant with me, Timothy. Verse continuing on. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. Now, one of the reasons that this is a happy place for Paul is, is that he's here in the prison. And again, most of us, if we were in a prison situation, we'd be going, woe is me, why would God allow this? But here Paul is in prison in this situation, and he's thankful, one, that friends have come to visit him, but then also that as he's thinking about the place of Philippi, which is a place that he had done ministry before, he's thinking back to those moments, and he has a memory, a good memory, of planting a church and of seeing people come to faith in Christ. And so as he's in this place that many of us would be like, why am I here? Paul is seeing this as an opportunity to pause and to give remembrance to. And so here Timothy was with him, and I'm sure they're sharing stories and talking about it. And Paul's like, man, I'm remembering when so-and-so came to know Christ. And so from that, and then thinking about their growth in Christ. And so here Paul is in a place where most of us is, woe is me. But in the pauses of the moments, he's finding it a place to be happy and to rejoice because of the lives that have been changed through the ministry and the opportunities he's had with Timothy. Continuing on, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, this word partnership literally is, is, is the idea of a deep shared fellowship that's experienced around a gospel experience. So that Paul is thinking back to not only has someone come to know Christ, but they have done life together on a deep level. And so that there is a picture that has been taken in their minds of a deep lifetime together. And so one of the things about being a student pastor is whenever I was doing all that, that there was every once in a while a parent or someone would come up and say, hey, this group is a little cliquish. And that would always happen at the beginning of school, and, and we'd gone to camp, or we'd gone to mission trip, and we'd done some things together. And one of the things that I would tell a parent nicely is, I can't insert your child into a picture that they were not a part of. And so that these students, or these young people, are gathered around, and they're talking about what God had done in them and through them on a mission trip or at a camp. And if your child chose not to go there, then they didn't have that experience. And so these kids are sharing, testifying, giving testimony to the fact of a koinonia, deep gospel fellowship that they had, that they experienced something with God that happened at a time and in a moment, and they have a snapshot of it. And because of those memories, they are drawn back to and they give thanks to and they talk about it because of the joy that it brings them. And so if you're, there's going to be moments in life where we will do some things together and experience deep gospel friendship and so that you'll have a snapshot and so that in those moments of life where we get to pause and God coordinates those pauses I think many times and puts us in places where we stop and he lets us look back and go you know what these are people that I've had some deep koinonia moments with and so here Paul is in prison a happy place for him because he's been forced to pause and he's there with his good friend Timothy and as they're talking together he's thinking you know again most people are looking at prison going this is the worst place I can possibly be but Paul has been forced to pause and he's thinking about his relationship with Paul or with Timothy he's thinking about his the beginnings of the church plan and people coming to know Christ and that community growing and then also thinking about there's some snapshots of some deep friendships that cannot be replaced, and that people, we just have done some deep life together. 
Matter of fact, that's actually what church should be like. Like we should long for those type of friendships that we have had snapshots of life with people over our life of doing Jesus life, that we've done some group life, we've done mission trips, we've served together, we've done some different things. And so we've built some deep quantity of friendships and we therefore long to be with one another. And Paul talks a bit more about that here in just a second. But in life, there's a happy place. And that happy place for us as followers of Jesus is in Christ. That life could be literally crumbling down around us, but our joy and our happiness is not found in our circumstances. As a matter of fact, you could have everything in the world at your disposal and still not find joy and happiness. So Paul continually tells us and talks to us and says to us, our happiness and our joy has nothing to do with our circumstances, whether good or bad. Happiness isn't determined by circumstances. Our happiness is determined by the source of our joy. What is the source of your joy and your happiness? Is it your relationships? Is it your job? Is it your income? Is it whatever? If it's that, then those things will falter. But Jesus, if that's our source of joy, will never falter. But the circumstances may continually be changing. Because life changes, doesn't it? We're always in different seasons, but if our source of joy is Jesus, does it happen? Now, how many of y'all know Elvis? Like Elvis? Some of you may not know him, but maybe you like him. A couple of you, you're telling us how old you are by the fact that you like Elvis, all right? One of the things that I've done in my life, I have the gift of training up my children. And so I've always wanted my children to be quick and fast and agile like me. And so one of the things that I would do especially when they were younger in junior high and early high school when they're not driving, I got to drive my kids to school, and it was such a treasure and a treat. And so one of those things, thinking about the treasure and treat, then also training them, is I would find the Elvis station or the worst possible station, you know, the really twangy country, like, hey, my dog kissed the frog, you know what I mean, all that kind of stuff. And so the worst station you could possibly find, that's why I'm not on the worship team, by the way, And so I would find that station, and we would pull up to the school, and I'd be so calm, and we'd have this casual little conversation going on. And then, like, the beauty of automatic door window things going down, and I can lock them so they can't shove, change them. And I'll, like, crank them down and crank up the music as I pull up in the little circle thing, and I'm like, I love you, as they're running as fast as they can possibly get out. They are running away, and I'm like, I love you, I miss you, I can't wait till you get home, and they are fast out of there. Joy and happiness. Elvis is one of those guys that I would start playing blue suede shoes and stuff, and so we're doing all those songs, and they're happening. And one of the things about Elvis's life is early on, someone had reported that he wanted three things out of life. He wanted to be rich, he wanted to be famous, and he wanted to be happy. So part of that, as we know, he became rich and famous, and Toward the end of his life, a reporter was talking to him and asking him some questions. And they said, Elvis, I saw where way back when you said that you want to be rich, famous, and happy. Are you happy? He said, you know what? I'm rich and I'm famous, but I'm lonely as hell. The source of our happiness is not in our riches. It's not in our fame. It's not even in our friendships or our work. Everything in our happiness is found in Jesus Christ. The source of our happiness is him. So the first thing you grasp is, what is your happiness place? What is your happy place? What's the source of your happiness? Look at verse 6. The second thing I want you to see is what that you have a happy future. I am sure of this, Paul says, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion 
until the day of Christ Jesus. Now this the wording and the phraseology, the words that he uses here is sacrificial language. So imagine coming in to, to worship and the priest is there at the front and he begins the sacrifice. And so usually whenever a priest begins a sacrifice in the language that Paul is using, that means that they're cleansing themselves and they're preparing themselves to be a part of the rite of sacrifice. And so here Paul is using that language is that he will bring to completion the sacrifice that has begun in you. And that for us, the sacrifice has come through our saying yes to what Jesus did on the cross. And so at that moment, we are then purified. And so Paul is saying that the sacrifice, sacrificial rites of worship that we're a part of, God, the priest, Jesus, the priest, will bring us the sacrifice to completion. God has invested so much in us, he will not leave us undone. We are worth the investment and the completion. And so here Paul is using this sacrificial language. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking back to even Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, where Paul is saying, therefore, in view of all this great theology, I'm reminded of the fact that every day that we get up, we are called to be a living sacrifice. In other words, at the very moment that you get up, that that is the beginning of your worship. That so many times we think about this is worship and this is a celebration of what God's been doing in our life. But our true worship, worship really happens on Monday through Saturday. And, and when we get up, we're called to crawl on the altar and say, God, here is my worship, my work, my schoolwork, my football, my volleyball, my whatever I do, that is worship. And so what Paul is saying to us, in that moment that you said yes to Jesus, the work of sacrifice, the work of being completed and being made mature in Christ is it's a one-time but also a future working out. Matter of fact, Paul says it this way. He says that you are working out your salvation with fear and trembling. So in the grammar, it's like it starts here, but it's continually working out. And so every day we get up, And it's not a one-time sacrifice from us. It's every day we get up and we put our lives before the altar of God and say, this is my sacrifice in response to what you've done to me. And so Paul is giving us this image of every single day you've said yes to me and you're putting out this sacrifice and he is going to be working out what we do and he is going to bring us to completion because we're worth it because his son's death on the cross was worth it. So this happy place and this happy future for us. Jesus' last words on the cross actually were, it is finished. Now, it was finished that the sacrifice was completed in that moment, but also it's that same idea of it's completed here, but it is working itself out in us. So it's finished so that when God sees us, our salvation is finished, but our understanding and being more like Christ is a continual progress of maturity so that at some point we will be made complete and be made mature. It is finished, but not yet. We have a happy future in Christ. We have a happy place in Christ. We have salvation, but it's continuing to work out. What are the dreams for your future? Some of you have dreams. Some of you have some ideas of what you want. And so in the midst of that, God is working out those dreams. You know you're uniquely created. God has some specific gifts and talents for you. And so those dreams, as you're working out your salvation, God is working your dreams. And there's some places and some things that you've never imagined you could possibly do that God is dreaming for you, and you're working that stuff out. And come to a realization of all that God has for you. You have a happy place, a happy 
future. The next thing that I want you to see is that you have happy relationships that are found in Christ Jesus. He's continuing this idea of koinonia, deep fellowship, in verse 7. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you, because I have you in my heart. This literally, this aching heart, the achy, breaky heart. Y'all remember that? Yeah, bad song. Achy, breaky heart. It's my heart aches for you. Matter of fact, last night it hit me. We're at the dinner table, and we've had dinner, and we're playing a game and all that, and then all of a sudden, the two girls in my house start crying. I'm like, what are you crying about? And they're like, a couple weeks, it's coming up. I'm like, shh, hush. Because I've been telling everybody, the cool, strong, that, hey, we're going to be taking our girl to college, we're leaving her, and everybody's like, hey, how are you going to deal with that? And I'm like, it's fine. This is what I've raised her for. This is what I've prepared her for. She's going to be awesome. And all of that, and then my heart, because I know I'm going to have to leave her. And so those moments around the table will be fewer and fewer. Those opportunities to gather together and to hear her heart and to talk through different stuff, those things will be fewer and fewer. And so my heart aches for that. But also the other part of it is is that, that the beauty is, that's the aching part, is I can't keep her. Because that would be the wrong thing. So here Paul is saying, listen, my heart aches to be with you because of the deep fellowship that we've experienced together. But it would be wrong for me to keep you to myself. Because you have so much to give to the people of Philippi. You have so much to offer and to be for for God. And I want to hold you back, but I know that I can't. So my heart aches for you because of that fellowship. But I've got to let you go. And so here are those happy friendships and those happy relationships. Paul says, my heart aches and longs for you and your... Uh, where am I at? Because I have you in my heart... And you're all partners with me in grace. Again, this deep fellowship, these 2 a.m. friends, his heart longs because of the deepness and the depth and the width of the friendship and the fellowship. In the good times, both in my imprisonment and in the good times, in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And he even goes on, he gives a stronger wording here in verse 8. He says, for God is my witness. And Paul understands this. He says, listen, I want you to understand that, that you may question whether my heart longs, but I'm putting myself in the courtroom of God and saying, God is my witness to how deeply I miss you and the affection that I have for you in Christ Jesus. Again, their friendship and their relationship is not built upon circumstances, but it's built upon a deep biblical friendship where they've experienced God transforming their heart and their mind and soul and seeing that in others. That there's something that happens when we gather together to do things for the community and in the community of God that doesn't happen outside of that. And so there's this deep fellowship that Paul is longing for, that his heart aches for these types of friendships. And I'm telling you, this is the reason that we should long to be together on Sunday mornings. It's because we long for deep Biblical, true friends that are 2 a.m. friends that do not judge us but join us in our mess because we understand what it means to experience mess and experience the forgiveness in our mess. So that's what for us is longing and this aching for the affection of those types of friendships. Happy friendships, a happy place, and a happy future. And he also tells us what it means for us to have a happy life, the way that we love This is by the way that we've experienced love. Look at verses 9 and following. And I pray this, 
that your love will keep on growing. Let's stop. Now, some of your translations will say, my, my love will abound more and more, that your love will abound more and more. And again, it's this thing that you've experienced it, and because you've experienced it, it's growing and it's expanding. As a matter of fact, it's the idea of getting deeper and wider. So that when God's love is deep and wide for us, and as we grow in our understanding of God's love, our love gets deeper as well. One of the things about love is that when we love someone, we are risking. And so here Jesus is on the cross, and he loves us, and he's pursued us. And on the cross, he risks the fact he's giving everything for us, and he's risking whether we're going to respond to his love or not. So maybe you've been in that place. You're junior high or in high school. You saw a boy or a girl, and your heart went, whoo Good stuff, right? And so you begin to pursue. And as you're pursuing, in that moment of pursuit, you are pursuing in that moment, you are opening yourself up to risk, that you're trusting that that person would respond back to you the same as what God did when he was on the cross. He says, I so love that I am risking everything to pursue you and that you would respond to me. And so here we are, this understanding of a deepening love is that we're willing to risk with full knowledge and full discernment that someone could reject us, that someone could flip that and actually hurt us. And Jesus did that on the cross with full knowledge and full discernment, but a love that was inexhaustible. That he says, you are worth the risk. And so for us, that if we grow in this love and the knowledge and the discernment of this love, that we are willing to risk with full knowledge and discernment that we can pursue someone and love someone and they can say no. As we grow in our love to be agape love, is the word here that Paul uses, is a God-type love, is that as we grow, our love becomes inexhaustible because human love stops. There becomes a point where we stop pursuing and we give up hope and we, like it's not worth it anymore. But God type, agape love, as we grow in that and grow deeper in that, we become inexhaustible. So one of the guys I met early on in my ministry, when I was about 25 years old, I met a guy who was a pastor and he was 85. And uh, one of the things that he was inexhaustible in, I had, we were talking about some different stuff, and I was like, hey, Paul, what is, what is one thing that's left undone? You know, as pastors or whatever, there's always one thing, you know, or whatever. And he said, Crystal, one thing, I'm so proud of what God was able to do, you know, through this and all this and marriage and all these things. And he said, my kids are incredible. The one thing, the one thing, I have a brother that does not know Jesus. For 70 years, I've been praying that my brother would come to know Christ. That's inexhaustible love. The continual pursuit, the continual begging, the continual asking that, God, would you move? And that for us, there would become a point of like, and I was like, Paul, would you ever thought about getting up? He goes, yeah, giving up. And he said, yeah. I love my brother. The affection that I have for my brother and what I've experienced in Christ, I could never give up on wanting him to experience the Jesus that I've experienced. This inexhaustible love. As we grow in our knowledge of God's love, it gets deeper. And so we, the inexhaustibility of our pursuit of people, because it's not about us, it's about them experiencing the Jesus and the God that we've experienced. Human love becomes exhausted, but God's doesn't. The other part of this is not only does it get deeper, but it also gets wider. Our love, our human love, is very restrictive. We love people that are like us. 
That's our natural bent. If they look like us, smell like us, talk like us, think like us, then they can be in our little circle of love. But what God says to us is we grow in the knowledge and discernment of our love that our circle widens. As a matter of fact, our circle doesn't even have boundaries. And so that we're willing to love those that are unlovely because we recognize that maybe those that are unlovely may think we're unlovely. And that the mirrors are turned, the things are turned. And so as we grow deeper in our love and wider in our love, our love becomes less restrictive. And we're about pursuing people inexhaustibly because we want them to know and experience the love of God. And that this love of God is, again, because it has knowledge and discernment, it's a 2020 love knowing that all of us are sinners, all of us are messed up, all of us are stuff, but God still loves us. John 3.16, a verse many of us know well, says, For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He gave. For God so loved that he gave. It's a generous, inexhaustible type of love. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says that in that while we were still enemies, right, God proves his love for us, and that even while we were still enemies of his, he did what? He died. He gave everything. Even while we were enemies of his, he saw us and pursued us and said, you are worth the risk of loving. A love that is knowledgeable and discernible, that has deep and that's wide. As we experience that as humans, we experience that as the depths of God's love. As we grow into that, understand that, it makes us look and love a little bit more like him. At our happy place that our happy future, our happy friendships, and our happy life is only found in Jesus Christ. There's a story about a great classical artist. His name is Christopher Pickering. And Christopher Pickering was, if, was one of, if not the best, classical guitarists of the day. And so he had, by the time that he was 30, he had made millions and millions and millions of dollars and didn't need any more money. He was tired of traveling. He was tired of hotels and eating out and the whole scene of all of that. And the other thing that he enjoyed beside playing guitar is he loved fly fishing. And so he's like, you know what? I have enough money. I have everything I could possibly need. This hasn't fit my purpose and it doesn't fulfill me anymore. So I'm going to quit this. He called his recording company, Columbia, and said, hey, I'm done. I bought a ranch and I'm fly fishing. And so for the next few years, every day he would get up and he's out there fly fishing. You know what? After a few years, guess what he found out? Fly fishing gets boring too. And he's like, what's my purpose? What's my meaning? What brings me happiness? I thought it was my guitar. I thought it was fly fishing, but none of these things. And one time he was in the city visiting some friends. He said, hey, come to church with us. And he went to church and he heard the truth. He'd grown up in and around and he'd read the Bible, but in that moment he understood that his happiness and his purpose could only be found in Jesus Christ. And so in that day he said yes to Jesus and he said, My life flipped upside down and the things then I actually began to see life in full color. And so that the guitar that used to make me money now brought me joy. I thought it was bringing me joy by money and fame, but actually it wasn't. And so now is professor at Pepperdine, and he teaches guitar classes, and he says, this is my joy, is to have purpose in life and happiness, because I get to play, but also because I know Jesus, and I'm able to use the gifts and talents that he's given me to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to understand what it means to be deeply loved. Do you want to be happy? True happiness is only found in Jesus Christ. 
If you have your connection cards, pull those out of your programs. I want you to look at those. I want you to ask you some questions. Number one, this week I challenge you to memorize Philippians 1.6 so you can think about that God is bringing to work to you what he started. He's going to bring it to completion. That gives you hope in the midst of all of the craziness, but also I want you to consider a couple of things. What's the source of your happiness? Is it your relationships? Is it your work? Is it your money? Is it whatever it is? If it's not Jesus, let's resolve that this week. What's your love looking like? Is it growing to be abounding more and more in knowledge and discernment? Is it looking a little bit deeper? Is it looking wider? Is it less restrictive? What is your love looking like? Then also, actually, this week, begin to think, I need to have some real friends. I need to have some koinonia fellowship-type friends that I can look back and say, here's some deep things of life that I've been through. You need to find some of those friends, but then you also need to be one of those friends. This next week, these coming weeks, you're going to hear us talking about life groups. You're going to hear us talking about serving and all kinds of different things. Those are opportunities to develop snapshots of deep fellowship together. So I would challenge you. Think about those. Pray about those. Thank you so much for being here this morning. And I pray that this week you would think about this stuff and find your happy place in Jesus Christ and in Jesus alone. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you so much for who you are. Father, that you have taken a risk on us, that you have loved us enough to give everything for us, that you pursue us, knowing even we may even say no. Father, I pray that we in this room that have experienced that love and are growing in it more and more and abounding in it in knowledge and in discernment that, Father, that we would love as we have been loved. Father, would our love grow deeper? Would our love grow wider? Father, may it be a love that is deep and true. Father, that we could have friends and be a friend that is called on at any time, no matter the mess, because we've experienced what it means to be rescued out of the depths of our own mess. Father, that even people that may not even be our friends, that may even be our enemies, need us to love them deep and wide. Father, may we do that as you have done that for us. It's in your son's name that we pray.